would come from the presence of the Lord. This time of favor is described in the Bible as an appointed time or an acceptable time. Psalm 102 verse 13 says, You will arise and have pity on Zion. It is the time to favor her. The appointed time has come. Remember what Mordecai told Esther. He said, And who knows whether or not you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this, right? So this time of God's favor was described by Paul in Galatians 4.4. 4. We've, we've looked at this verse in Soma class on Monday nights about how Jesus came at a certain time and Paul describes it as the fullness of time, that in the fullness of time, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. So time is a gift from God. It's something to take seriously, that there are times and seasons when God works in our world in more active ways than other times. And God wants us to discern these moments, to see these moments, to seize these moments. And he tells us even to sow in the seasons that God's moving in our midst. And so there's a principle of spiritual maturity in this, that spiritual maturity, maturity, <laughs> maturity <laughs> is learning to discern these seasons and rhythms of life and to seize these times of God's favor that each season brings. Those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food at the harvest. The second principle I want to discuss is that opportunities then must be seized before they quickly pass. Have you ever missed a big opportunity? I remember back in 2003, it was that Scotty Gomez helped the New Jersey Devils win the Stanley Cup. Remember that? Well, there's a tradition in the NHL that each player on the the winning team get to take the Stanley Cup to their town where they grew up. And so Scotty Gomez, that summer, 2003, brought the Stanley Cup to Anchorage. I was so excited. I wanted to go, wanted to go and see the Stanley Cup and just kiss it and bow down before it and take a drink. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and I was excited. I'd never seen the Stanley Cup in, in real life. And I wanted to go down to the park strip to see him and, uh, and Frankie and I drove down there, but we went to the wrong park and we missed it by 15 minutes. You know, a missed opportunity is a missed blessing. A missed opportunity is a missed joy. Paul said that at one point in his life, he said that God was opening up an effectual door for him into Asia, for him to go as a missionary to Asia. And I I think about that metaphor of a door and Paul saying that God was opening up a door. Think about what it means. It means that that door must have been closed if God was opening it, was closed at one time. And the implication is that if he's opening it, that it's going to close again in the future. And it was his choice at that moment when God was opening the door, whether or not he would cooperate with God's opening of a door and step into that opportunity. And he had to be in sync with God's open door. And that's what we're talking about this morning, living in sync or in harmony or in co cooperation with 
God's opening of doors. One of the worst missed opportunities in the history of the church comes out of the Middle Ages where historians call it the greatest missed opportunity in Christian history. In the year 1266, one of Genghis Khan's grandsons met Marco Polo. And after meeting him and hearing about the Christian gospel, he sent a letter to the Pope, Pope Gregory X, asking, would you please send us 100 Christian missionaries to China? The Pope only sent two missionaries, and those guys chickened out halfway to China and never did make it. By the time other missionaries arrived in Eastern Asia in 1294, Kublai Khan's interest had switched from Christianity to Buddhism. So that the next time that Christianity got a major foothold in Mongolia wasn't until the early 1990s. So there was an open window back in 1266, but the Christian church did not seize the opportunity and history went a different direction. We must be aware of the hazard of missing a big opportunity. The scripture says about Solomon and how he, it, it describes his failure by saying that God appeared to him twice and Solomon would not listen. Spiritual maturity is, I like to think of it as shortening that margin of time that it takes for me to listen and apply what God is saying to me. Shorten that margin of time. We know that's true with children and with ourselves, right? Just uh, how long is it going to take for us to listen and obey and respond and say yes? And my goal is to shorten that margin of time it takes for me to say yes to the Lord. Well, this proverb is, is a simple principle of wisdom that states a basic law of the spiritual life, that if we do not walk in sync with seasons of opportunity that God gives to us, there will be no fruit in the harvest. And we're taught this in natural life. If you don't get your garlic planted, right, before the ground freezes, there'll be no harvest next summer no harvest of garlic, that is. <laughs> There's a timing for everything, a proper timing, a right timing, a window of opportunity. I love these three quotes that uh, describe this principle. <clears throat> One says that procrastination is opportunity's natural assassin. Shakespeare said, you can't kill time without injuring eternity. That's really good, isn't it? You can't kill time without injuring eternity. It, because time is a gift that God has given us. So don't throw it away. More than anything else, preparation is the key to success. That's from one of my old relatives, Alexander Graham Bell. I guess our family tree goes back to Alexander Graham Bell somewhere back there. So that's my one claim to fame. <laughs> So he had something good to say. More than anything else, preparation is the key to success. Well, let's apply this then to parenting. And I want to say it this way, that we parent within a very narrow window of opportunity, a window of time. 
The Barna Report analyzed data from a series of nationwide surveys a few years ago to determine the probability in which people accept Christ as their Savior and at their age at the time of making their decision to follow Christ. And the data shows that if a person does not accept Jesus Christ earlier in their life, and he suggests before the age 14, the likelihood of ever doing so gets slimmer and slimmer. And their study clearly demonstrated two things. And that is that the greatest evangelistic window that we have to reach young children is, or to reach people is when we're young, when we're young children, that we're more apt to give our life to Christ when we're young. And then the second thing is that parents are the most effective evangelists to influence their children to serve Christ. And I want to add a third one, a third application of the Barna study is that if the greatest window of opportunity to reach a person for Christ is before they reach the age of 14, then what would be the the most productive ministry to put our resources and our efforts in within in the church? Children's ministry. Okay, well, we have a sign-up sheet right over here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Pray about it. Think about it. I mean, if we were going to invest for maximum fruitfulness, uh, invest for maximum results, there's the Barna Report says, go after children when they're young because every parent influences their child towards something as it says in Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. And when we, we looked at that last week, we made the point regarding Proverbs that Proverbs are not promises, they're not guarantees, but they're principles that says this is the way life tends to work. For example, I went to visit my oldest son, Brandon, in Sussex, New Brunswick, where he was attending Bible college many years ago, and and he was on the college hockey team, and the whole arena erupted when Brandon got a goal that day, and it was the only goal that he got the entire season, and he got it the day that his dad came to visit him. And the whole arena erupted because they knew I was there. And I actually have it on video. Should have brought that video and showed, showed my son uh, getting a, a goal. <clears throat> but uh, it was a great night. And, and afterwards, Brandon's face was just beaming from ear to ear. And, and I, I, Brandon said to me, he said, I've always had a dream, Dad, to play college hockey. And I says, well, where'd you get that dream? And he says, well... When you were a campus pastor up at UAF in Fairbanks and we'd go to the Nanix games, he said, he said I'd sit there and watch it and it just like I, I had this dream that someday I could play college hockey. And so here he was in this little college, Bible college hockey team in Sussex, New Brunswick, and he got to play hockey and got a goal. And I thought, that's a, you know, where did he get that love of hockey from? Like, from Frankie, from South Carolina, or from <laughs> the way that we parent our children influences them towards something. And children are like wet cement, cement, the saying says. We need to make the right impression on their lives. And then when God opens a window of opportunity, in the Bible it is called a Kairos moment. And I want to describe the 
the two biblical words for time, there's the, 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 the word uh, chronos and the word kairos. Both are gifts from God. God is present in both of them. Both belong to God. Chronos is where our words chronology comes from or the word chronicle comes from. Chronos measures clock time, linear time, space of time or interval of time. Kairos measures the the divine opportunity in which what God breaks through into Kronos time and opens the door to fulfill or accomplish a promise, that a purpose that he has. Kronos means ordinary time, like days and months and hours and seconds, but Kairos means this sacred season of God's favor. Kronos means normal time that is measured by numbers, but kairos is the now moment. It's a decisive spiritual moment when God speaks to us or God is working amongst us. Some people call it things like, I had an epiphany, or this was a a serendipity. I had a professor up in Fairbanks that would call it a serendipity when he saw you know, God at work in his life. Uh, I've heard people from the Pentecostal tradition call them Shekinah shivers. You know? uh, it may be a grace opportunity. It's, I've heard it described as a God moment, a, a prompting, or it may be a whisper that you hear from the Lord, something bubbling up. Or I like to say it is something that you know deep down in your inner knower. But it's when God is whispering, God is speaking, God is moving, God is working. Kronos means ongoing time from day to day. Kairos means those brief uh, openings when heaven comes down to earth, when God's kingdom breaks into our life. Kronos Time also cannot be altered by us humans. It's God alone who regulates time. He sets the sun and the moon in its orbit. Only he can begin and stop time. But Kairos time is where God comes but seeks our human cooperation in it. It's a moment when God is in, reaches his hand down to us and, and invites us into the dance. Kairos time is that moment that God invites us to step into with him. It's a moment when the spirit is moving and brooding or hovering over a situation and we're invited to cooperate him or walk in sync with him. Several years ago, I was at a dunamis conference up at Victory Bible Camp. Dunamis is the Greek word for power, where it talks about the power of the Holy Spirit. And I was doing some teaching up there on the Holy Spirit. And one of the assignments that we were given was to get in groups of three or four people. And we were going to listen. We're going to pray over the person to our right. But we didn't know the people. Um, these were We were all kind of strangers. And uh, we were to um, not consult with them about what they needed prayed about. We were to listen to the Holy Spirit and pray for the person on our right according to how the Holy Spirit would lead us. See, this is putting our theology to work, into practice, right? If we believe that um, the Lord can speak to us, then let's listen to him. And so 
<clears throat> I got really nervous because I didn't know this little lady to my right that I was to pray for, and so we, we just all bowed our heads in a circle, and, and, uh, and I'm the preacher, right? I'm the one that's supposed to have the antenna up, and get, so what am I going to pray for? And the only thing that came to my mind was, uh, to my heart and thoughts, however you want to say it, is the word vitamin. And I thought, oh, this is so crazy. This is so embarrassing. Am I getting this word from the Lord or is this just me? So I began to pray. And I said, all I'm getting is this word vitamin. So I'm just going to pray into that. And when I, I just prayed that the Lord would be like a vitamin to this lady, that he'd be nutrition to her. And I tried to think of everything I could think related to vitamin, you know. And, and uh, finished praying. I looked up and she's just sobbing. Tears flowing down her face. And, and what had happened was, her story was, she says, well, I just, my last baby, I miscarried. And I just found out a few weeks ago that I was pregnant again. And the doctor prescribed me vitamins. And she says, I forgot my vitamins at home in Wasilla. And I'm worried about myself and wondering if I should drive back to Wasilla and not attend this conference if I need to go home. And she said, then you began to pray for me that God would be my healing, my nutrition, my vitamin. And it's just an answer to prayer and an assurance and an encouragement to her. You see, the Holy Spirit, Jesus described the Holy Spirit as our advantage. He says, you, it, when I go away, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit and he will be an advantage to you. He'll be your helper. He'll be your counselor. He'll be your guide. And he, we have... We have so much more efficiency in our Christian walk because of the Holy Spirit. I have a sermon on the Holy Spirit. I say that, that the Christian life will not work without the Holy Spirit. It's designed to work with the Holy Spirit. And life is so much more effective when we're cooperating with and living in sync with the Holy Spirit. When I was a young boy, my mother and my aunt loaded us kids into a car and drove us north to a church camp. It was called a camp meeting back in those days in northern Ontario. It was the summer of 1973. We had never been to this place before or, or since. And the preacher preached and he gave an invitation. I responded to the inv invitation and went forward and I knelt at this altar at the front of the, the church and... Uh, God was speaking to me about something specific. He was calling me into the ministry. And I didn't know uh, that at the same time, uh, my cousin Wesley, who we were very close, he was only nine days younger than me, that he also had come forward and he was kneeling at the altar and the Holy Spirit was also talking to him about the same thing. And we had never consulted with one another. And we didn't know what we were praying about, but we were both trying to discern this inward impression of whether it was coming from God or not, uh, that we were supposed to go to Bible college, stu study for the ministry, and enter vocational ministry. And then all of a sudden, we're kneeling there praying. This elderly woman stood up, never met her before or since. I remember she was dressed in very plain, like navy blue, dark clothing, very modest, old-fashioned looking woman. 
But she stood up and she said God had revealed something to her and she was supposed to tell those two young boys kneeling there at the altar something that she had gotten from the Lord for them. And she said that God wants you to know that he's calling you into full-time Christian ministry. <laughs> that, was a, that was an example of a Kairos moment when the Holy Spirit comes and spoke to that lady. She stepped into that situation and cooperated with the Holy Spirit and gave a word that was a word of encouragement to hear those two young boys are also praying about. It was just a, an interesting moment that just illustrates how the Holy Spirit works as our, for our advantage in living the Christian life. And it's true with parenting as well that our parenting advantage must be done in sync with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> There's a divine timing for cultivating a spiritual appetite in our kids. It's a narrow window of opportunity sometimes, and God gives us those critical moments for shaping spiritual life. We don't have moments that come forever. They may be just a, a brief moment of time. So parenting in kairos time means to develop the capacity for discerning specific seasons Specific movings in which the Holy Spirit comes of God's favor and sees those divine opportunities for spiritual breakthrough. One evening in high school, my mother was led by the Lord to ask me if God was working on my heart about something. She could discern something in, in my life, and she inquired about it. And it, it was that same season where I was in high school and I was struggling about what I was supposed to do and I believed that the Lord was asking me to become a minister. And I was scared to death. I was a, a farm kid that grew up on a very rural farm. I was backward, I was timid, and I had no interest in becoming a minister. And uh, I opened up my heart and shared that with my mom and she says, well, let's each go to bed and go to our rooms and let's kneel down and ask the Lord for wisdom and discernment, direction on that. And I went to my room and I knelt down by my bed and God gave me a verse that just seemed to comfort me and I went right off to sleep. It was like a word that spoke exactly and precisely into my fears. And it was the verse from Isaiah 41.10 that says, Fear not. For I am with you, be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, yes, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The next morning, my mother asked if I had heard anything from the Lord, and, and I says, well, I don't know, but it seems I have this impression that God gave me a verse that he was offering to take care of my fears and that he would help me if I would say yes and become a minister. And when I gave her the verse, she said that's exactly the same verse that God had given to her. And in those, those days, we'd have a little box that was called the bread box, and there was like cardboard verses in this box, and you could lift them out and pick a verse, and, the, and, and that's what she had done. She had went to her room and picked it, and she got the exact same verse, the precise verse that the Holy Spirit had given to me in, in my room and brought to us together the next morning as a confirmation that this was the way the Lord was leading. I'm so thankful for 
a mother and a father who helped guide me into recognizing those Kairos moments and listening to the guidance of the Holy Spirit and, and stepping into the dance in cooperation with him. One time there was a, a season where my son Brandon, he was in Bible school and he was traveling for the school quartet representing the school during the summertime and they were in, in Wyoming for a service. And I remember there was, we didn't know what was going on in Brandon's heart, but there was some kind of struggle he was having and, and bitterness, I think, about a situation that had happened to him. And he was kind of entering a spirit of withdrawal from the Lord and, and rebellion. And uh, we didn't know all that was going on, but we were discerning it. And we were on a trip from Canada to uh, South Carolina to a family reunion on our way back. And I think it was somewhere in Tennessee or Virginia, we got a motel room. And I was strongly impressed that we should uh, get down on our knees by our beds in the motel room and cry out to God in behalf of Brandon. And so got Frankie and my daughter Angela and Blaine, uh, and we began to pray and ask God to help Brandon. And the exact same moment we found out later, so, so that was like Eastern Standard Time, and he was in Wyoming. And at that same moment, we were ca calling out to God for him. He responded to an invitation at that church camp in Wyoming to go forward and surrender that issue that he was struggling with in his heart to the Lord. And he went forward from that day and became a pastor. Kairos moments, these Kairos moments need to happen, need to be responded to in our parenting in order to cultivate ground for spiritual life to grow in our kids' hearts. If we don't cultivate the ground in a Kairos moment, then we lose those opportunities for God to work. And God brings those Kairos moments into our lives and invites us to step into them with him. So that brings me to the final thought, and it's a question, how can we create that Kairos culture in our home? How do we create an environment for that to happen? How can we create a container to deliver that to our children? How do we create a landing strip for the Holy Spirit to land in our home life? Well, one of the most effective places to create a Kairos culture in our home, I believe, is around the family table. It's not really complicated. Jesus modeled that for us, didn't he? He showed us this. He discipled around the family table. He practiced this so often, as a matter of fact, that he had a reputation for it so that they said, this man eats and drinks with sinners. When he would meet someone like Zacchaeus or Levi, Matthew, he'd say, come to dinner with me. Let's go out to eat. You know? When he taught the multitudes, what did he do? He fed them food and then sat them down and he taught them. Table fellowship is one of the clearest disciple-making strategies of Jesus that we often overlook. The gospel comes with a house key and God has designed the family table to be the container for parenting in Kairos time. Over the years, many times people have asked for advice on parenting, and, and it makes me nervous because I, I feel like that I don't have three easy steps, and I, and I wasn't a perfect parent, and the question just makes me nervous. 
But in order not to be dismissive of the question, I've tried to think about it. And consistently, there's over the years been one thought that always comes to my mind and I'm reminded of. And it's not profound. It's not complicated. It sounds too practical to mention, too pedestrian. But my answer is this. As a family, As a family, we had regular meals together. It's as simple as that. We were were committed to making sure we had regular meals together. And so at the table, we would have conversation. And our conversation was always God talk. And we had this practice as a family where we would go on a God hunt and we would ask the kids the question, where have you seen God today? And we'd go around the table and, well, I saw God in the sunrise. And I remember one time I said, my, my answer was, I, I'm thankful that today the Lord helped me be more Christ-like. I remember my, my son Brandon was real young at the time and he said, looked at me and he said, Dad, I didn't know you were that good. (laughs) Well, that's when God would meet with us. There was times where just whoosh, the Holy Spirit would just come in around that and you knew that that he was bringing light and understanding and, and forming and nurturing spiritual appetite for the Lord in those moments because the ground was being plowed and prepared to grow the seed of spiritual faith. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 was read earlier by Jolene, but it's a great verse. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. You see, here's the key. If the Holy Spirit wants to bring those kairos moments. I know there's other ways to describe what happens when that happens, but let's just describe it as a kairos moment when the Holy Spirit comes and speaks to us. Then that means we don't have to parent alone. It means that he wants to help us right? God wants to help you in your parenting. He wants to invite you into a miracle that he's going to provide. I remember back when we were traveling to Fairbanks to be missionaries there under polar evangelism, and we had to raise our support, and we were in a little church in Darcy, Saskatchewan, and it was in 1989. And we got up one morning, and, and, and outside was that hard, driving, prairie rainstorm. And the raindrops were so big, it seemed like each raindrop could fill a bucket. It was just pouring rain. You've been in one of those rains. And the, the truck, I had bought an old rider moving truck. It was a beat-up old truck I'd purchased, and we were moving with a rider truck, and we had a, a car. Frankie would drive the car, and I'd drive the truck. And, and that truck would not start. And we ran the battery dead, and we boots put the cables on with the car. It would not even dream of starting. Just ground, wrong, wrong, wrong. It would not start. And each day, one of the kids would ride with me in the truck. And that day, my daughter Angela was in the truck, and uh, she turned to me and she said, <clears throat> um, "Dad, do you remember when we prayed?" one time before for God to fix our car, and he fixed it. (laughs) And I said, yes. (laughs) I knew where that was going, right? And she said, well, 
couldn't we pray right now? Don't you think God could fix this truck, Daddy? And the Lord whispered to me, he says, Angela has the faith, let her pray. She was, what, eight years old? He said, let her pray. And so I said, Angela, you pray. And she prayed this short, little, simple child's prayer. And I promise you that the instant I turned the key to that truck, it roared to a start and never hesitated a second after that. And that story has become like a family monument of faith in our family. Every one of our kids could tell you about it. It was a, a Kairos moment the Lord brought, and, and we had to choose whether or not to lean on the Lord or lean on our own understanding. And we stepped out in faith and said, Lord, we need a miracle here. Or, or Angela stepped out on faith. I get no credit for it. But God used that in Angela's life. She's a, a pastor's wife today in Washington State, a nurse, and God is using her in mighty ways. She's a woman of faith. And, and here's another example from Angela. Then a few years later, she was in Bible college in New Brunswick, and one night she had this powerful impression from the Lord to pray for her high school friend, her best friend, Jessica, from Fairbanks. Jessica had had chosen to, 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 to go really wild. She was just rebellious child and Angela and her went different directions but they still maintained this friendship and Angela was so burdened and concerned for Jessica that she sensed the Lord asking her to get up out out of bed in the middle of the night and begin praying for Jessica and she described it to me later she said dad the the warfare the spiritual warfare was so intense so intense and I won't describe all the details of that warfare, but she prayed and she prayed and prayed until, as the old timers call it, she prayed through and she got peace and the burden lifted. And in the morning she went to the cafeteria for breakfast and a friend named Ben, friend from Ottawa, Ontario, came up to Angela and said, Angela, are you all right? And she said, yeah, I'm doing great. Why, why do you ask? And Ben said, well, in the middle of the night, he said, I was awakened by the Lord, and I had this strong sense that I should get up and I should pray for you. So here's Angela praying for Jessica, and God asked Ben to pray for Angela. It's like, you know, Moses and Aaron, I mean, Aaron and, Aaron and her holding up Moses' arms, you know. So, <clears throat> and so Angela was so curious to know whether or not God had answered her prayer, the next day she called Jessica. And Jessica, oh, I've got to tell you, Angela, I was at this meeting last night in Washington State, so there'd be like four hours difference between uh, New Brunswick and Washington State. And she says, I was at this meeting last night. Uh, it was a youth convention or something. And she said, and she described the struggle of the invitation and the struggle of whether to get, go forward and give her life to the Lord. And she said, finally it's like the struggle something just broke and she says I surrendered myself to Jesus and I went forward and received Christ as my savior and Jessica's serving the Lord today isn't that a great story of stepping into a Kairos moment in whatever the situation might be but it's learning to live in sync with the Holy Spirit 
Which brings us to this final summary thought, and that is that the key to parenting, and we could say a thousand things about parenting, but the one thing I want you to take away today is that the key to parenting is to be fully present in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, fully present with your kids. And it could be not just your your kids who are at home now, it could be your adult kids or whenever you're with your kids or with your grandkids, be fully present with your kids. And I've not, I am not, you're not looking at a guy up here who's the model of that. I've struggled with that. I've had to ask my kids' forgiveness for not being fully present. And the last time I was with them, I told them, I said, I'm going to promise you that I'm going to be fully present in this moment, in this situation. But it's not just being fully present, but it's being fully present to listen to the Holy Spirit, what he wants you to say and to do and how to be involved and be engaged with them. Because the Holy Spirit brings us kairos moments. That's what he does. And the key to parenting starts with a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The best thing, the best gift you can give your children is your own relationship with the Lord. To learn to walk in the Spirit, to learn to listen to Him, and learn to cooperate with Him. And that's good news. It means God wants to help you in your parenting. And you've got God to help you with this. That's what a Kairos moment is. Father, thank you for this lesson today. And we ask that you will um, help us to completely surrender and cooperate with you and to recognize these moments when you bring them to us, Lord. Uh, We take seriously our relationship with you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are with us. Thank you for the gift that Jesus has given us. And we want to walk with you. We don't want to grieve you. We love you, Holy Spirit. And we want to cultivate a relationship that is capable of listening and hearing from you. Now bless each one of our parents that are here today, Father, and I pray that you'll fill their homes with the presence of the Lord that fosters an appetite for spiritual things, that nurtures an aspiration for the kingdom of God. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand together and worship the Lord.